chapter 4 is our main passage for today. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. I missed you last Sunday. My good friend Jared Baggett was here and he filled in for me and I listened, I posted his lesson online so it's on our website, it's on our podcast if you want to listen to that. Uh, he did a great job. He told a few lies. So if you were here and heard his opening stories, uh, you could get back, go back on our podcast and listen to that. He wrapped up our, our sermon series that I've been going through on the book of Acts. And today we're going to move in a different direction. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, on Thanksgiving Day, the meal that I ate for my Thanksgiving feast, I ate a sliced sausage sandwich from a gas station. And I'm pretty sure it had been sitting out for about two hours. So I hope you had a great Thanksgiving and you enjoyed your meal. There's a story behind what went on. We had kind of a rough week with a lot of sicknesses. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Christmas will have better luck. And did you know that starting today, we have four Sundays until Christmas? How many of you are ready for Christmas? Yeah, a lot of, I see some, some moms shaking their heads, no, some kids raising their hand, they're ready to go for Christmas. It's not that far away. This is the time of year when people might be a little more open to God. It's a time of year where you're going to see Christmas lights and Christmas trees, but you're also going to see nativity scenes, and people may be thinking about the birth of Christ and maybe what that means, and, and maybe people will explore the Incarnation. And churches all over the country are going to be talking about God's plan of salvation. So it's a good time of year, these four Sundays before Christmas, to look at the text and to see what God has in store for us as a church as we study His Word. And Galatians 4.4 4 is our main passage over the next four weeks. And I want to start by reading Galatians 4.4, 4, but really I'm going to read verse 4 and five. You'll see it on the PowerPoint. The Apostle Paul says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. Okay, that's verses 4 and 5. Verse 4 is our theme verse, so it stops at born under the law. And I want to give you a challenge from the very beginning. This is going to be the easiest memorization challenge you've ever given, you've ever been given. I'm challenging you to memorize Galatians 4 and verse 4. Over the next few weeks, try to memorize Galatians 4 4. It's simple, it's easy, it won't take you long. But as you memorize it, as you spend time reading through it and reflecting on it, and hopefully meditating on it, you will see the depth that's there. These phrases that Paul uses when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. These phrases are going to be our themes over the next few weeks. We're going to kind of dissect this verse, and we're going to look at what we learn about God, the nature of God, but we're also going to look at what this means to us today in the 21st century. So today, we're not going to get past the phrase, God sent. I realize the verse starts with, when the fullness of time had come. I love that phrase. In fact, I'm going to save when the fullness of time had come for the Sunday right before Christmas. Today, though, we're going to focus on those two words, God sent. God sent his son. Let's explore that a little bit. Let's just kind of pause on God sent and try to discover what we can learn about God. 
through that. What does the word sent mean to you? What comes to mind when you think of the word sent or send or sending? So I've had a few months to spend time on Galatians 4.4, and I've thought a lot about each word and each phrase in this verse, and I've thought about God sent. And I'll be honest, the first thing that comes to mind when I see that word sent is technology. Anybody else? How many of you have already sent a text message this morning? Anybody? Okay. Some of you aren't being honest. Some of you haven't been awake long enough to send a text message. How many of you have at least already looked at your phones today? We've, we've all done that. Okay. We, we use technology all the time. I send text messages. I send emails. A lot of my week, I respond to emails or I send emails. And that's very time-consuming, and I'll tell you why. I try to be very aware of the words that I choose when I type up an email. First of all, I don't want it to be misunderstood. I don't want to send something, and maybe I'm making a joke, but because you're not seeing body language or the tone of voice, that somebody may not take it as a joke and take it the wrong way, so you have to be careful. I go back through and I reread what I've typed up and I check for spelling mistakes and grammar mistakes. And then I also, when I type up an email, I want to make sure that it's clear. It makes sense to me in my mind, but sometimes I type it up and it doesn't always make sense to other people. Anybody else do this? So when I send an email, I read through it. I read through it over and over. So if I just send an email that's one paragraph, it takes me a little while. And the reason is, because when you send an email or you send a text message, once you send it, there's no taking it back. And if there is a way, somebody please show me. But there's been times where I send an email or I send a text message and I think, all right, when I press send, it's sent. I can't take it back at that point. So there's a little bit of risk involved in sending an email or sending a text. How many of you have ever sent a text or an email and later you thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that? Anybody? Come on. We all, we all probably have. Once you send it, it's out there. And maybe you're thinking social media. There is a way to post something on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is that people use these days. You could go back through and you could delete it after you've posted it. But even with that, we've seen this happen time or time again. If somebody posts something on Facebook or Instagram, even if they regret it and try to delete it, if somebody has screen, did a screenshot, it's still saved. It's still out there. Once you send it, you can't take it back. So there's a little bit of risk involved. I was at a preacher's conference a little over a month ago, and there's a, a well-known preacher named Don McLaughlin. He preaches at a church in Atlanta, Georgia, and he was speaking to us preachers. And he told a story of one day, several years ago, he was in traffic in Atlanta, and he called on his cell phone, was calling some members at his church, and as he was calling them, the voicemail picked up, so he was going to leave them a voicemail, and as that happened, somebody rear-ended him. Somebody hit him. He was in a little traffic accident. So he, he pulled over to the side, but as he was pulling over, in the privacy of his own car, he said a lot of not very nice things about the driver behind him. Some of those were explicit words. As he calmed down, before he got out of the car, he said he looked down at the phone, and the phone was still recording the message on the members of the church in which he preaches at. And then he realized, uh-oh, like that's not good. And now they've got the voicemail, and there's no way to take it back. So he was really embarrassed about this, and he said he called them all night trying to get a hold of them. Nobody would answer. He couldn't go to sleep. He was so embarrassed about it. The next morning, he said they called 
And they said, sorry, Don, we missed your calls. We got home late last night and went straight to bed. And he said, so you haven't checked your messages yet? And they said, no, not yet. And he said, is there any way that when you get to my message, you could just delete it before listening to it? And she said, well, not now. I'm definitely going to listen to it. <laughs> Once you send it, there's no taking it back. You know, he said that happened many years ago, and they still mess with him today about it. And he was embarrassed and, and realized, he did realize that there's something inwardly going on within him that needs to change. And so that was the reason why he shared that with us. But you think about sending a message, sending a text, an email, a voicemail, whatever it may be. Once you send it, there's some risk involved because you can't take it back. Or maybe you're a boss or a manager, you own a company. To, I don't know what you do for a living, but I know some of you, you have people that work under you. You have people that work for you. And so sometimes you have to send them out on a job or send them out on a task. And when you do that, there's risk involved there as well. Because you have to choose wisely. Because whoever you send out represents your company. But not only that, they represent you as a person. So you want to make wise choices in who you send out because they represent you. So there's risk involved. Or maybe think about it like this if you're a parent. Parents, we have to send our kids. It's just a part of life. A year and a half ago, we sent our daughter to kindergarten which is apparently a really big deal to most moms. It's a very emotional time. Um, my son today is his birthday. He's four years old. And so last night before we were putting him to bed, I said to my wife, to Jessica, I said, you know, he's four now. And we were talking about how crazy it is and how fast time goes by. And I said, you know, a year and a half from now, we're going to be sending him to kindergarten. She got really mad at me, and she said, why did you say that? Like, why would you bring that up at this point? I'm like, it's just a part of life. We send our kids to school. We send them off to church camps. Maybe we send our kids to go spend the night with somebody. And I know a lot of you have already experienced this. And as parents, if you haven't, we will someday. You have to send your kids off to college. And I imagine that's a really difficult thing to do. If you're a parent, sending your kids requires vulnerability. So sending, the very act of sending, whether it's a message, whether it's an employee, whether it's your kid, whatever it may be, there's risk involved. There's vulnerability. Right? For those who are sending and for those who are being sent. In this passage that we're looking at this month that we're exploring, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent. God sent his Son. So what does it mean that God is a sending God? To fully understand Galatians 4.4 in this part of the verse, we need to go backwards in order to go forward. Because what we see all throughout Scripture from the Old and the New Testament is that God is always sending human representatives. And when God sends, that means God is willing to take a risk on us. God is willing to take a risk on human beings. God is willing to be vulnerable and choose to send human beings to accomplish his purposes. So I want to span over just a few examples, mainly from the Hebrew scriptures, from the Old Testament. You can follow along in your Bibles if you want. Most of the, at least be a, a short summary on the PowerPoint. Maybe you can write them down and, and go read these stories later today. But you get into your Bible at the very beginning, the book of Genesis, and you don't get past Genesis 12 or and you already see God is sending a human representative, a guy named Abram. In Genesis 12, verse 1 through 3, 
God appears to this polytheistic Middle Eastern man. We don't know much about him. And God appears to Abram and he says, go. That's a sending word. Go. And he says, go from your, your country, from your people, from your family. Go into the land where I'm sending you. And what God tells Abram is that you're going to go and you're going to be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And your family will be a blessing to all people. So God sends Abram. And he knows his purpose. Ultimately, Abram's purpose is to be a blessing to all families, to the entire world. It's going to take a while before that happens. That's his purpose. Now, if you read the whole story in Genesis, you keep reading. Uh, Abraham's promised children. He and his wife are getting old, so he tries to speed up the process. He's a little bit impatient. He has a child with, his, with Sarah's uh, servant, Hagar, and then... And that's kind of speeding up the process. That's not the plan. And so eventually they do have a child. But Abraham makes some mistakes along the way. But God sends him anyways. Flip over to the next book in your Old Testament. You get to the book of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 3, we have this guy named Moses. And he's basically out in the middle of nowhere tending to his sheep. And then God appears to him in a burning bush. And God says to Moses, listen, I've seen my people. They've been slaves. In Egypt, for a long time, I've heard their cries. I've seen their suffering. And then in verse 10, he says to Moses, So now, go. I am sending you. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God chooses Moses. Back in the summer, I did a sermon on faith and self-doubt. And I really explored Exodus, Exodus chapters 3 and 4 which to me is a fascinating passage, both of those chapters. It's this conversation between God and Moses, and if you were to reread it, you would see that Moses basically does everything possible to get out of this. What if they don't listen to me? Who do I tell them sent me? I can't speak very well. I stutter. Are you sure you want to send me? And then finally in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 13, I love how Moses responds. He finally just says, pardon me, Lord, but can you send somebody else? I mean, that's basically Moses' response. I am too insecure. Can you send somebody else? And even though that's how Moses feels about himself, God sends him anyways. You can flip over a few books in the Old Testament, you get to the book of Judges. In Judges chapter 6, there's a guy named Gideon. And God comes to meet Gideon. And Gideon is hiding out because he is afraid. He's afraid of the Midianites. He's living in fear, and God appears to him and calls him a mighty warrior. And what God tells Gideon in Judges chapter 6 and verse 14, go. God is sending Gideon, just like he sent Moses, just like he sent Abraham. He says to Gideon, go, you're going to go and you're going to deliver my people from the hand of the Midianites. That's his task, and God says, I hereby commission you to do this. What a powerful thing to be in the presence of the Lord and for God to tell you, I'm sending you to do a task and I commission you to do it. But what was Gideon's response? In verse 15, Gideon said, why me? Because my clan is the weakest and I am the least in my family. I'm too weak. Why would you choose me? See, Gideon does not have a very high view of himself, but God chooses to send him anyways. And then you get to the prophets, and you get to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah finds himself in the throne room of God, 
And in this very famous few verses here, this famous conversation from God and Isaiah, God says these words in verse 8. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then Isaiah responds, here I am, send me. So Isaiah, the prophet, he's bold, he's willing. God says, who can I send? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. But if you were to back up a little bit and read the rest of Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah realizes he's in the presence of God, he's in the throne room of God in verse 5, he says, woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm among a people of unclean lips. So Isaiah feels like he's not even worthy to be in the presence of God, but God chooses to send him anyways. Then you look at Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 and following, God appears to him, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And in a very intimate conversation, God tells Jeremiah, I have known you since before you were born. I've been intimately involved in you. I've chosen you. And Isaiah's response to God is, why did you choose me? I'm just a boy. I'm too young. And God corrects him and he says, don't say that. Because where I send you, you're going to go. And what I tell you to say, you're going to say it. God chose Jeremiah to be a prophet. God sent Jeremiah. And Jeremiah felt like he was too young. But God sent him anyways. You look at Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 2, God calls Ezekiel. And he says, get up on your feet. And he breathes the spirit into Ezekiel. And he says, I'm sending you. I'm sending you to the people of Israel. Ezekiel thought he was going to be a priest. That was his life's purpose, if you read all of Ezekiel. And now things have changed, and he's no longer going to be a priest. He's now going to be a prophet. And that's not what he was expecting. But God chose to send Ezekiel. And then you could use Jonah as an example. If you look at Jonah chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and he said, Jonah, I am sending you to Nineveh, to this great city. In verse 2, and I want you to cry out against it because their wickedness has come up before me. God chooses Jonah and he says, I'm sending you to Nineveh. Nineveh was this, the capital of Syria. It was known as the city of blood. They would conquer people and put them on death marches. Nineveh was not a place that you would want to go to. But God says, Jonah, I chose you and I'm sending you and I'm sending you to Nineveh. So what does Jonah do? He runs and he goes the opposite direction. You could read the whole story of Jonah and get the rest of that. He eventually goes, but at first he is so reluctant and so resistant, he goes the opposite direction. And these are just a small sampling of the different uh, people that we read about in Scripture that God chooses and that God sends. Because this is what God does. God is a sending God. Who are the type of people that God chooses to send? Well, he sends Abraham, who's impatient. He sends Moses, who is insecure, Gideon, who feels like he's too weak, Isaiah feels like he's not worthy, Jeremiah thinks he's too young, Ezekiel's disoriented because he thought he was going to be a priest and now he's a prophet, and Jonah is completely resistant and doesn't even want to do it. Those are the type of people that God sends. Can you relate to any of these characters? I think we all can in one way or another, but God still chooses to send them anyways. God chooses to send human representatives. And where are they sent? For some of them, they have specific places. God tells Moses, you're going to go into Egypt, you're going to go to Pharaoh, and you're going to rescue my people. God tells Jonah, you go to Nineveh. 
God tells Gideon, you're going to go rescue my people from the Midianites. So if God wants you to know where you're supposed to go specifically, he will let it be known to you. For the rest of them, though, the where wasn't quite as clear. He tells Abram, go. Go into the land that I will show you. Go into the unknown. For the prophets, they know who they're supposed to go to. They know what they're supposed to do. But the where is not quite as clear. So if you think about yourself, you think about your own life, as followers of Christ, as people of faith, uh, we want to know what God's will is for our lives, and so we get caught up in the where sometimes. Where am I supposed to live? Where am I supposed to work? Where am I going to go? Where, where? When we think these thoughts, like there's open doors and we have to choose the right one, and unless God tells you directly, here is where you're supposed to go, maybe we shouldn't focus on the where and the sending as much as we should focus on the what and the why. Like, what's the purpose of God sending? Why does God send? Well, he made that clear. He made it clear to Abram. He said, I'm sending you to be a blessing. That's his purpose. For Moses, he said, I'm sending you out to rescue. You're going to rescue my people. For Gideon, he said, I'm sending you out to save. For the prophets, he said, I'm sending you out to speak a hard message that people aren't going to want to hear. That is not going to be popular. Because this is what God does. God sins, and he always makes his purpose clear. And we find that purpose in Scripture. Have you ever felt like God has been sending you? If you were to ask me, has God sent you anywhere, if you were to ask me that eight or nine years ago, I would have had an answer for you. My answer was, God is sending me to be a missionary. I felt very com compelled that that was what I needed to do with my life. I had this picture in my mind that I was going to live in Africa somewhere and I was going to learn some tribal language, and I, my beard was going to be huge, and I'd come home for Christmas every three or four years, and uh, I would slowly forget English and learn this other language and just dedicate my entire life out in the mission field. That's what I thought. And then we got an invitation to join a mission team in Rwanda, Africa. And you've heard me tell stories about that before, some of my experiences there. So we thought, okay, that's clear. This is what God is sending us to do, to go be missionaries. And we went. And to make a long story short, it didn't work out for the long haul. We learned a lot. We couldn't get a visa, and we couldn't stay there legally, so we wound up having to come home about six months later. But it was while I was serving as a missionary, what I thought I was being sent to do for the rest of my life, while I was doing that, one day we were working with some teachers at a school in Kigali and we were doing some let's start talking with them and I had a break in between the sessions and I remember standing in a room and looking out this window in the second floor and there's bars on the window and I was kind of looking out over the city and I don't know how to fully describe it to you but I just felt an inward conviction that I think what I need to do with my life is to preach. It was like for the first time ever like that was clear to me. Like everything God had been preparing me to do at this point, he was calling me to preach. And then what I felt like pretty strong, and, and it was kind of confirmed as time went on, that maybe I'm being called to preach to my own people and not to some foreign country. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just I had to go all the way across the world to discover what I felt like God was really sending me 
to do. And then I came home and that was confirmed. God never said, here's where you're going to do it. In 2017, you're going to move to Longview. He never said any of that. I just felt like inwardly through his spirit, what God was calling me to do was to preach the where I didn't know, but the what, what's the purpose, and the why was clear. That's to make disciples of Jesus. And I think we do that through our families. We do that one-on-one. We do it through who's your one. But as a preacher preaching to a a church-wide audience, I felt like the purpose was clear to make disciples and to help every member of our church, whether it's a guest or a longtime member, to grow into deeper Christ-likeness. That, to me, was the purpose of preaching and still is. And through time, I have identified with Moses. Why'd you send me? I can't do this. I felt like Gideon, I'm too weak. I felt like Isaiah, I'm not worthy. I felt like Jeremiah, I'm too young. But guess what? God still sins anyways. Because God is a sending God. And there's a really good chance that God is sending you, and it may not be some foreign country, some far-off place, maybe God is simply sending you across the street to your neighbor. But God is a God of mission, and God has a mission, and the church has a mission, and God sends us as individuals, and he sends us as a church. So we come back to this passage in Galatians 4.4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent. God sent his son. The greatest Sending that God has ever done is sending of himself, is sending his son. Where did he send him? He sent him to earth. He sent him to be amongst human beings. And we'll explore that over the next few weeks. But what was his purpose? Why did God send his son? Well, the very next verse, Paul gives us an idea, and that's to redeem. To redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. Well, if you read all of Scripture, if you read the New Testament, there's different verses and different books in the Bible that say that Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. That was his purpose. Some say, or Jesus himself says, he came to seek and save that which is lost. 1 John chapter 3 says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the work of the evil one, destroy the work of the devil. The purpose is the same. He came to seek. He came to save. He came to redeem. He came to reconcile. He came to destroy the work of Satan. The purpose of God's sending of Jesus was very clear. And that's what he's done. And God still sins today. And what's your purpose? What's our purpose as a church? Why have we been sent and commissioned to make disciples, to mature disciples? To multiply them. That's our mission statement. That's what we believe we've been sent to do. So let's do it. Let's make and mature and multiply faithful followers of Christ. And you may ask, well, where do we do that? Well, the answer would be wherever we are. Wherever you are, that is where you are called to be a representative of Jesus Christ. To make disciples of Jesus. God sent his son. I don't know what that means to you, but there's a chance that maybe you're in a place where God has, you know, you read those words, God has sent his son, and maybe all you need to do is just let him in. Maybe you need to receive him. 
Maybe you're being sent, or maybe you're at a place where you need to receive. Uh, for most of you who come week in and week out, you usually hear how this is wrapped up. I, I mentioned that we're going to have elders around the room that are willing to pray for you. I want to reiterate something, though, especially for those of you who may be a guest today or maybe you haven't been here in a while, that when we say this and we sing this invitation song, we really do mean that this is an opportunity for you you can come up front. Well, I've, I'll be up front. One of our elders will be up front. But we do have elders. It'll be kind of around the room. Some will be in the back. And if you need to meet with them, share something, confess a sin, be prayed for, why not take this opportunity to do that? If you're hurting, if you're struggling, if you're at a place in life where you really need to have that conversation, take advantage of this time. If you want to be baptized into Christ and follow Jesus, come up front. Come talk to one of us, and we can make that happen. We invite you now. Let's stand and sing.